0: Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement.
3: It's a total disrespect.
0: Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White and today myself and Simon spoke about Lionel Messi winning the Ballon d'Or for a record eighth time. Was he really the best player of last year? Sheffield Wednesday owner, Daifon Chan Siri, has asked fans to come up with £2 million to help save the club from financial difficulties. Is he playing games or is he serious? We hear from the Wednesday fans. Plus, despite calls for greater communication and transparency, our iFab right to deny VAR decisions being heard live in stadiums and at home. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Lionel Messi cannot believe it, but he did it. Lionel Messi made history by winning a record eighth Ballon d'Or. It was a a glittering ceremony last night. The great and the good in the world of football were all there. Is this a fitting end? Now, I think I know what's coming from you this morning. You're not exactly fired up by this. Is it a fitting end
4: to the player of this generation? Uh, Yes, if it were a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, absolutely. If you're giving an award for a body of work, it's very difficult to argue that in that conversation would absolutely be at the very top of it, Lionel Messi, because of his remarkable achievements in domestic football and his carrying of a nation um, into a World Cup final and in previous tournaments giving them an, an opportunity to even participate at times because of the level that he's brought to the table. But when you're isolating it down, saying the best player in the year, in the year, yeah, I know... That the achievements in the World Cup: six games, six goals. Yes, and all that went with that. Seven but goals and seven, seven matches. Seven in goals Kisar. and seven games. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I look Including at that. Including two in the final. I understand that, but if are we are we saying that the Ballon d'Or gets won on individual games? So we say, we, we take out the World Cup final. We say you win a Ballon d'Or because of your contribution to an individual well, game. Well, it's the pinnacle, isn't it? It it's is the pinnacle. Pin- this w- was the big story of, of, of the year in football. Over the years, I mean, what is the basis for awarding a, a Ballon d'Or? Is it for the best body of work over a year, the world's best player in that year? Yeah. And is that, yeah. de- is that demarked by seven- Messi? I would suggest not. I would suggest his domestic form at PSG wasn't particularly good. His his period of two years at at PSG resulted in 22 goals in 58 games. This isn't the Messi that we've seen before. This is a tilt. Like, when, when, when everyone was looking at the World Cup saying, it's Messi's World Cup, we want Messi to win. I don't believe in want Messi to win. I no, couldn't I care less that. if Messi wouldn't win yeah. won or not. I was Messi's in your ear di- shot when you were telling me. Messi is an that. individual footballer that plays for a different country, and I have no vested interest or concern about whether it's Argentina no, a the, fitting into Messi. The, the, the brilliance
3: of the story was Messi winning the World Cup. That was a, the missing yes. piece of the jigsaw. Like when Maradona first did okay. it in so, 1986, this was the moment
4: so, for Messi. So, so do okay, but does the world evolve around Messi? Well, oh, yes, the, and does the, because but, it put him apart from anybody else. Fine. Does that? Does that? Is that the qualification? for a Ballon d'Or so you can do nothing all season metaphorically speaking and then you can rock up to a World Cup have a meaningful World Cup or a European Championship and that wins you if that is the criteria then absolutely Lionel Messi is the Ballon d'Or
3: but in winning the World Cup with Argentina and playing such a part in it did he not prove beyond anybody else that he is the player for the big occasion he is the biggest player in any arena when it comes to the big occasions is that the criteria for awarding a Ballon d'Or well, it's quite. Uh, uh, I thought uh, that, that's uh, going to add up to being the world's best. Off, yes,
4: yeah. But um, if you're looking at a body of work and you're saying over an entire season, one moment in time or one passage of time denotes you being the best player in the world of football, then yes, on that argument, <laughs> I would concur that Lionel Messi, because of the achievement of topping off his career, which was remarkable at Barcelona, inauspicious at Paris Saint Germain. Economically rewarding beyond his wildest dreams, everything that goes with it, Phenomenal with, with in Qatar. his career, with his career landing in in America, which is the end of his football career, sensational in Qatar, and and his performances in Qatar in a side that lost two one to Saudi Arabia, where he was anonymous. <laughs> I can make these arguments. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm trying to be a pragmatist in a conversation. I don't get wracked with sentimentality. I don't sit there like others do and say, well, it must be a fitting end to his career. I could care less if Lionel Messi won a World Cup. No, I look, it, I look it, at it's just at, getting the right name on the, on the trophy. And, that, and his was it. And if that's what people but believe. you don't
3: think. No, I don't. Whose I, was? Just for the I record. think there
4: were other arguments in there. Who I think, would you have had? Well, I, mean, I made the argument about Erling Haaland y- yesterday and people I could see on social media going, well, anyone can score an amount of goals that he scores playing for Man City, but no one else has done it before. And there have been other strikers at Manchester City that have had the opportunity. Mm. Download, stand well back,
0: listen, outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: Paul's a big Manchester United fan. Paul, good morning. Where do you stand on Messi? Was it right and fitting that he won an eighth Ballon d'Or last night?
1: No, definitely not. He, he, he played seven games to win Argentina the World Cup, and uh, and you've got Erling Haaland in his first. Erling Haaland in the in the Premier League, the hardest league in the world, as a young kid who, who uh, scores record goals in the toughest league in the world, and wins Man, Man City the treble. And I'm a Man United fan. He wins Man City the treble, so they're basically judging Messi over seven games. Yeah,
3: yeah. So so you're a United fan, and you're saying it should have been Haaland.
1: 100% should have been Haaland. I mean. It's, it's, play, unless he's played in the French league, it's, it's poet, isn't it? Do you know what do, I mean? Do you think Paul's sentiment came into it, it, it last a, night? Like it's like sentiment. sentiment.
3: Right. Sentiment. I said that's, that's what, what Simon, Simon said. All right. Good call. Thank you for that. Brady is a big Manchester United fan. Uh, uh, Brady, do you go, do you go with Erling Haaland, even though you're, you're a United fan, but do you go with City's Haaland? He should have won it.
2: I think he should have won it, but my question, my, my, my point is basically, is, I find it really annoying when people say about Messi didn't play in the in the Premier League, so he shouldn't be granted to be uh, the best player in the world. When he played in that Champions League final against Vidic and Fernand, who's probably the two best pairings that the League of, Premier League has probably seen, yeah, he tore them to pieces at Wembley. Yeah, um, but I, I, my point would be is if you put Harry Kane in that team, uh, that Man City team, would he have been up for the Ballon d'Or? Because technically, as a footballer, I think he's actually a better player. Um, a better player than Erling Haaland technically. Okay. And I think he'd score as many goals. Okay. Who,
3: who, so. who, who was who was England's last world-class player then? Are you saying Kane and still is?
2: No, no, no. I think I, I agree with Simon. I think Paul Gascoigne, without a shadow of a doubt, is for me the greatest English player of all time that I've ever seen. Okay, Brady. Thanks um, for that.
3: D's a big Birmingham fan. D, you'll be proud of Jude Bellingham uh, last night. One of your own uh, winning the award for the world's best young player.
5: Very proud. Very proud, Jim. Anyway, nice of you, Lance. You've know, you you got the biggest listeners on the radio, but I've got to get straight into it. Very proud of Drew. But I can't believe, yes, we can all see why Messi has won this title. Everybody can see why. Everybody knows Haaland should have won this title. But my problem I've got is with Ballon d'Or. It's been going on for years. I mean, Messi, when Ronaldo was scoring over 50 goals a season for Real Madrid, who were winning nothing, and the Barker, was, he was in that great Barker team that was winning everything. And I was just thinking, is this an individual accolade? Or is it a team? I mean, what is it? It's supposed to be for... If it's individually, there's no way Haaland should have lost. So I just got a problem with Ballon d'Or. I knew Messi was going to win it, because they keep giving it to him. No matter what he does, seven games and that's it well. and I know he's won the World Cup and we're all glad he's won it we're all football fans Yeah, we'd all be glad that he's won it but by God I'm telling you straight now Jim I just think it was like uh, a bit of a joke and Ballon d'Or is becoming a joke to me
0: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax
5: and think about
0: Download Stand Well Back. Listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: If you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan, then you want to listen up. Now, five months on, almost to the day since I spoke to the Sheffield Wednesday owner, Daifon Chansiri, when Sheffield Wednesday got themselves out of League One, Simon, and into the Championship. And at Wembley that day, uh, Chansiri told me about his plans for life in the Championship.
2: We, we tried to go for
6: it,
3: yeah. So you are totally committed to Sheffield Wednesday as the owner, and you're going to invest? I,
6: uh, I do my best. Like, like I mentioned, all the times since I'm here, we,
3: I, I I would do my best, yeah. Well, now, he says, I'm going to try and do my best. Now, months on, they found life more than tough in the championship. That's one thing. But behind the scenes, Simon, Chancery appears to be finding uh, cash flow problems pretty limiting and, and pretty restricting as well. Now, he's spoken to the Sheffield Star and he's told the fans who have described him as a custodian only that this is their chance to save the club he says if twenty thousand people gave 100 quid then it's two million pounds and it would be clear so we can finish it that would cover everything hmrc and the wages that would need to be done before november the 10th if they don't want to pass the 30 days but that means there can be no next time it would need to be before we make it safe so if it was on the 5th then there would be 10 days left if we're a hit but 30 days, then we would get a ban for three transfer windows. Now, he's talking about a transfer embargo, yeah. obviously, there. Um, in other words, he's saying, right, you fans, I'm the owner, but you, you you think yourselves as owners now and again. I've got cash flow issues. How about helping out? How about 100 quid from each of you? That's 2 million, and that that will get us through this tricky spell. You ever heard anything like this?
4: Uh no. No, I, I think he's making a point. I mean, he's, he, you know, if you look at the family worth that he comes from, he comes from a family that's worth, you know, three quarters of a billion. Um, you're talking about someone that's been prepared to spend 150 to 160 million on Sheffield Wednesday. You're talking about someone that's having a tantrum and having a turn. Um, he uses the word try his best very, very regularly. He uses it in conjunction with the interview that you did after they'd won the playoff f- final. He uses it in the conju- in conjunction with this article. Um, um, I think he's a bit tired of probably being told by football fans what he should and shouldn't be doing, but that is the price on the ticket. Do you believe him when he says, I've got cash flow problems? He might do, but I don't think his cash flow problems extend to two million quid. I don't think two million quid would be a determining factor for this man as to whether he can afford to continue to fund Sheffield Wednesday. If it was 20 million quid... I'd have a conversation with, with, with the with the subject matter about Waldear. Oh, there might be some issues in this in this situation. This is about someone that's had a very challenging relationship with the club, that has made decisions a lot of the time that mm. I think have been flawed, that seems to have alienated himself from the fans even when Sheffield Wednesday have been in positions of opportunity, when they had Carlos Carvajal in situ when they're in the playoffs and had opportunities to get out of the division. This is a club that landed in League One under his ownership after the amount of money that he's spent. Someone that's spending that kind of money on a football club should occupy a different relationship with the fans than the one that this man does. And I think there are cultural differences in terms of his expectations as to what people should and shouldn't be able to say to him. We've had Carlton Palmer in the studio having a conversation about what he thinks. That was, you know, there there was a loaded in that one because obviously Carlton was... Darren Moore's friend and yeah, felt that there was yeah. a mishandling of that situation. Right. So I, d- I, d- I don't genuinely believe that he needs or particularly wants Sheffield Wednesday fans to pony up £100 each. He knows that's not going to happen. He knows that the entire fan base that turns up, or 70% of it that turns up on a weekly basis to watch right. Sheffield Wednesday aren't going to give them an extra 100 quid. He knows that going in. What he's doing is saying, OK, you want to call me a custodian, which in principle there's an argument towards. When you're the person sitting in the box seat and I can say this as a previous owner, and you're being told that you're a custodian whilst you're doing your brains in economically, it can be quite irritating. I can I can imagine it's challenging.
3: I mean, there's Rob saying, Simon, I'm sorry, a, a chairman cannot ask his fans to stump up the money to cover costs. Surely that's absurd.
4: No, but then the, then the chairman shouldn't have to constantly listen to people telling you that it's not your football club, you don't own it. But that's the price on the ticket, isn't and that's, it? It is the price on the ticket. So there is a two-way transaction. Anybody that's been an owner relate to Chancery, anybody that's got any common sense wouldn't do what Chancery's doing. I can relate to it and sit there and go, you know, you saucy sods, you tell me how to spend my money, right? But if I come to you and say, I'm going to put your season ticket price up by 100 quid, you're going to scream. Now, Sheffield Wednesday fans will now say, no, we wouldn't, as long as we knew all that money was going into the team. But when it goes into the team, which is where there's 160, because 160 million quid this fella's put in has gone into the team. The fact that he's not run it very well. Do I think this is admirable from a chairman? No. Do I think he should be behaving in this way? No. Do I think this is the way to communicate with a fan base? No. Do I think this relationship is broken? Probably. Is he going to be getting out of shit Wednesday? Probably, as someone's prepared to come along and buy it. But no one can argue, irrespective of the stupidity and a decline, that this man hasn't put a lot of money in this football club. But then again, you can make the argument right. about, about Fahid Mashiri. It doesn't alter the landscape. Football fans are not interested in your best attempts... They're not interested in your commitment they're not interested in your money they're only interested in the outcome and i understand it i get it it doesn't make it right but i understand it but this is not the way to this is no way is this the way to do it download stand well back listen outspoken with white
0: and jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport
3: jess is a big sheffield wednesday fan jess good morning what is your take on all of this
7: I don't know where to begin. If you go back right to the beginning, when he came into the club, he made some statements. I don't know if it was advised very well. First season, he said we'd get promoted. We didn't. But ultimately, as a businessman, he wants a return for his cash. He rolled the dice uh, one season when we nearly made it in the January uh, window. He spent $60 million on Jordan Rhodes. The fallout of that, we ended up on an embargo of getting relegated. We've yeah. now bounced back. Uh, a friend of mine who's now moved on to another club has always said that it's not been a good relationship between him and the finance people within the club, how he does business. But going to Jordan, he has made out about us not supporting him. I think for the amount of people who turn up, I was down at Plymouth last week, nearly 1,500 was turned up. One person was shouting, Chan Chan-Ceri out, we got rid of him. We have, we have backed him, you know, turning up through, and I think it's all smoke screens. He doesn't want to invest any more money. I can't see him getting his money back. I think if you go on to and things like that, they value the club at 18.5 million. You know, he's in for 150 million. I don't know where this trend up. I don't think it's going to be. Hang on, Jess. Hang on But, Jess, hang hang on. On that, but
4: that's an Yeah, I think, Jordan, was you, yeah, right? I, think the, I think I'm the aforementioned Jordan. And no, I didn't. What I contextually said was in the conversation that we had last time round that if there is such a support base for Sheffield Wednesday, why aren't you filling your stadium every single week? And why is there a constant um, rumbling above dissatisfaction when you've had? previous owners that have been equally as bad, that have done equally as poor things, but haven't put anywhere near the money in. I've never suggested at any point that Sheffield Wednesday fans aren't great football fans, because I think it's a great football club, and if I'd had my time again and I was northern, it's the sort of football club I'd love to, uh, to have owned. But you also have to give... First of all, your football club isn't worth 18 and a half million quid. You can look at valuations as much as you want. You've got Reading in the marketplace, a league beneath you, being sold for potentially 50 million quid. So what something is worth is what someone's prepared to pay. Yeah. But you are at a point now with this guy where he's making ridiculous statements well, and I do agree with you.
3: Well, Jess, just before you go, do
7: you take this for real or not? Uh, I think it's for real. I think he wants out the club. And he's trying to save face a little bit. Okay, and Jess, listen, thank for you for really that.
3: Good. Okay, he wants to the club. And how, trying to save how, face. How, I don't know how he saves face. How
4: he's saving face. In fact, right. he's making himself look foolish.
3: Here's Harry, a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. Harry, good morning. You're taking this. What do you think? I mean, are you going to dig deep and give him 100 quid to help, help the club out?
6: Uh, morning, guys. Thank you for taking my call. No, absolutely not. Because, um, number one, I'm not sure I believe what he's saying, but number two, uh, the practicalities don't make this possible, he knows that and if people do don't donate money it just goes from one disaster to one event to the next, there'll be something else around the corner um, as there always is with this football club right now and uh, with Mr Chan Siri Simon, I, I probably get what you are saying yeah. uh, with your comments and your experience as a, a former owner but everything you say, there's an undercurrent to what you say where you are almost sticking a knife in toward the fans a bit and I can see you have some sympathy there, but you have sympathy in the background to the chairman. And you no, are, I
4: have balance please. in my observation, because no, unless no, you've walked see, a mile in someone's shoes...
6: Let me speak, Simon. Go, yeah, go on, yeah, go on. Um, You are you're saying all these comments about the uh, fans have made about the owner being a custodian. Yeah. That you're talking probably about two, three, four fans that have made these comments. No, he said that. There was, there, he, there he said that, that, not they, me. Yeah, yeah, he said that fans have said those comments to him, and, and that is true. Yeah. And what those people are saying, really, in labour terms is that, quite simply, they will still be fans of the club once the owner's left. That's true. Uh, these these comments that fans are making are in response to eight years of mismanagement and neglect. It, they're not coming from a point of, um, uh, they're not coming out of thin air, they're coming from pure anger and frustration. No, I understand with, that, but with, let me put an alternative. view. Con- who who, 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 who with bankrolled with the, con- the club? Mis- mismanagement. It, it, that's his company Simon it's his company, it's his it's, company. I, I
4: understand okay. that right find so the, so but you can't the separate the two you can't just have your view and other people can't have theirs. It's very easy to sit on the sidelines as a football supporter and tell people what they should and shouldn't do. When a football club loses 20 million in 1920, which your football club did, who bankrolled that? You lot? No, you didn't. When he lost 25 million in 2021, who bankrolled that? On one hand, it's ambition going for If the guy spent 160 million quid, there was a modicum of respect that should be afforded him. If he spent it badly, and if he's behaved badly, he should be called out on it. And I agree with you that these sort of statements, these sort of observations are ridiculous. You've, made, you've paid, your, you've paid you know, the price of a ticket. Is you have to listen to fans constantly telling you what you should do with your money. And the moment you get it wrong, and the moment you make mistakes, they're not forgiven. They're not forgotten. They'll come back and haunt you. So of course I'm going to have an empathy. I've sat on the other side of it actually with a group of supporters that were pretty much on my side oh, for ten girl, years. On you go, Harry.
6: Simon, you're assuming what a fan base thinks. Not everyone thinks the same. And just let me speak here. The fans react to to eight, nine, ten years of mismanagement. The
0: world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: Simon, it's time for me to bring you right up to date with how our friends at iFab are right now, the lawmakers. Um... uh, let me throw this at you despite calls for greater communication and transparency um, it's a no from IFAB Um, they're denying VAR decisions being heard live in stadiums and at home they're not having it having said that are they right to say that maybe maybe they're using evidence of uh, the recent chaotic scene that was that Luis Diaz goal against Tottenham 2D line on the boot yep okay wait no way.
0: So two D line on the blue. Oh, oh, zoom Check complete. Check complete. It's fine. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Off. Thank, thank you. Mate. Thank you, thank
2: you mate. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, On-field decision on. was offside. Are you are you happy with this? Yeah. Are you happy with this? Offside decision. De- goal.
4: Yeah. That's,
2: no, that's what, what it does. What? On-field decision no. was offside. Are you happy with this image? Yeah, it's onside. The image we are yeah. onside. Left back. He's
3: played. He's gone offside. No, I tell you what. If you imagine if we'd heard that live in a stadium, Simon, or live on your yeah. telly, i say that would create a chaotic, unsafe environment for referees. They're not wrong, are they?
4: The, yeah, I mean, obviously, some other people that are advancing the argument that you need to hear everything would say that. As I often say, sunlight is the best best disinfectant. If you want to make not, if you if you want to be in a position where you've got ultimate authority and make the right decisions and be diligent in what you're doing, and no one deserves protection for that kind of mistake. Because there isn't an explanation for it it was incompetence at its worst yeah right I am much to I suspect most people's disagreement I don't believe that there's a necessity to have to listen to the decision making process i believe we've got far too much of it at times i believe there's a necessity to to accept authority to accept decisions and decisions are made at times that you won't agree with and decisions are made that are wrong the next thing is if you have transparency and the audio the next thing you'll have fans sitting inside this truck at stock park because it'll need to be that that's the next thing yeah the bottom line is is that they need to improve they need to improve the decision voices well, yeah. I mean, some people will say that because of rugby and because of that product, there, that there is a, there is, well, why shouldn't football? Well, why shouldn't football for a lot of reasons? And a lot of the reasons are because of the temperament, the texture, the culture, the tribalism, the outlook and the disposition of football is very different. It's not steeped in respect. Football is not a culture that's steeped in respect, it should be, because it's such a valuable, wonderful game. But yeah. Most of the time, it's steeped in vitriol, trying to find disdain or contempt for the opposition, or criticism. That's what it's steeped in. And, I'm, and, and I'm of course, and, the, and the recognition of brilliance as well.
6: Well, I'm looking
3: at the words that they've chosen here, Simon. It could, it could create chaotic, unsafe environment for referees. Well, well, I,
4: unsafe. Well, I think that's a bit over the pudding. I think there's a bit of hyperbole in there. I think it's a case of they need to add something on to the end of it, because they've made the decision, no means no. We are the authority in the game. We're making the rules. We decide that ultimately the authority is is with the referee and with Stockley Park. And we don't need twenty-five thousand fans screaming their head off whilst decisions are being made. Yeah. And I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree. Because VAR was brought in to aid and abet referees. It has increased the level of outcomes that are of benefit to the game it has decreased the spontaneity it has caused more con- it's caused more con- um uh controversy because there was a ridiculous starting point yeah. that somebody yeah. told the football world that VAR was 100% accuracy so with that in mind anything that interacts with humans and we saw human error human error was in that um, decision at Tottenham because they weren't aware of what was happening on the field. They didn't realise that the on-field decision was offside so they were adjudicating and we all know this, this is a well-rehearsed speech so the point is is that is that the necessity to drill down on why everything works, it's the way that society seems to work at this moment in time, everyone seems to have a sense of entitlement about what they should have to have explained to them and what they should and shouldn't have to accept in an ideal world, VAR and refereeing decisions would be 99.9% of the time right. In the real world, anything above 97% or 96%, which is where VAR operates, is as good as it gets with technology or without technology. Yeah. And which should be accepted. But because of the way that we are, we've now got VAR supporting referees because we created a temperature... And a climate um, where referees couldn't not have technology. We've got technology, so we're now moving it onto the technology because we're saying the technology should be operating at a hundred percent. And when we've got that working, we'll still want transparency for the odd exception that slips through. I don't think it's necessary, and I think they're right, and I think they should be have have more courage and say no means no. Yeah, we've yeah. decided that for the best interests of football and for the way that we want our officials to referee, no means no. Not then add on the bits about you know it's an unsafe environment because people look at it and go well no one's going to storm the truck at Stalk- Stockley Park are they?
3: <laughs> well, hasn't come yeah. to hasn't come to that yet. Um, so that's where we've got to. IFAB but saying no to VAR decisions being heard live in stadiums and at home. Is it the right decision, Addy? As a Liverpool fan, Addy, what do you think? Is, would it just be too chaotic?
1: No, it wouldn't be too chaotic. And I just think you're being disinjected. Well, first of all, that's classic IFAB and the lack of respect they have for the footballers and, and the fans. Because I've played rugby all my life, played football, played rugby all my life. And Wayne Barnes, you don't hear what the VAR guy the, um, is saying. You just hear the communication. And the fans are the people that pay the money. And they get the worst deal of it. And it's a lack of respect in terms of, you can go on about the hooliganism age or what have you, but people are hearing that. I'm a Liverpool fan. I listened to that Spurs thing. No one rioted. And that was one of the worst decisions you could have seen. There were several that day. But you've got to have some respect for the actual fans that we're not going to riot because we don't like a decision. The decisions are chaotic and rubbish as it is anyway. And Addy's <laughs> got a point, Sam. But, but, they pay the money.
4: But but, but that's not true, Addie. I, I agree with Go you. On. I agree with you that the language that is used is unnecessary, and it's and it's and it's creating a temperature that you just described, which is no one's going to be like I just said a moment ago. No one's going to be storming Stockley Park, and it doesn't come down to a lack of respect. And if anyone deserves a lack of respect at times, it's the players. For some of the reasons that are now being introduced for official gym that they're clamping down on simulation they're clamping down on time wasting they're clamping down on cheating because there's a necessity to do so so that's the reasons why there might be an element of disregard for the players or we can have martin Keon on here telling us how much rest the players what need to be able to carry the money bags that they're getting uh, on a weekly uh, basis
3: Ad, do a- you think it, it, you're being cheated out of something here
1: what do you mean I feel cheated out of? I'm, I'm not. Yeah, but you have to clarify that a bit. Or you know,
3: well, deva- devalued. You, you say you, you've got every right to be listening to it inside the oh, and yes, How
4: they yes. get to a
1: certain decision? Say, no, I you don't. Say, no, can, no, you don't. Can I just, can I speak? <laughs> can I just say that if the. Whole way that rugby and and the players interact with each other, yeah. there has been that respect, and you can say that yeah, football there isn't. And there's a and there's a certain amount of there's a, a high degree of um, disrespect between players and officials that yep. has gone on, and it yep. seems to be accepted. And it's great that they're clamping some of that down yep. out. That's fine. But I'm talking about the grown-up maturity. You're here, Wayne Barnes, talk because it's a different game. But he talking to the players. Preventing infringements. That's where the communication is. The respect is there on both sides. But you can have it in football now, because we. All right, Hooliganism still goes on, but they should actually look at the fact that what people are paying. Think about what happened in COVID. The brand is no good without the fans, and the fans in the ground are getting cheated. Because they should be the first people to know what's going on, and people are more likely to accept it because they hear the decision. They might not agree with it, but it's been played out, and it's classic. And so, so you believe
4: that 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 hearing the audio is going to convince you know, fans they're the that audio. they're more, more likely. Simon,
1: it's not hearing the audio. You hear the communication. Well, that's, that's the they audio. Don't the, they don't hear it, no. It's completely We're audio different.
4: communication, not,
1: then. Can I finish? Can I speak? You do not hear the whole audio on the rugby union. I, are we going are we to have a debate
4: it. about bloody semantics? We're talking yeah, about someone being semantics. able to hear something not, audibly. I mean, so, audio.
1: Simon, 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 you get to speak all day long. I'm just trying to say that it's not about the full audio. You wouldn't have to have that. What you have is the communication between the, the, the referee saying, this is what I think. And then the VAR guys or whatever, you in the rugby You don't hear them talking amongst each other. You don't have to have that. No, no one was suggesting that. That would be ingenuous. silly, wouldn't
4: it? We're not listening to that's a radio show at Stockley Park. You're listening to an audio based upon no, the decision-making process.
1: But no, so what you, you, be, what you no, believe is, as a football fan, on, sorry, you're entitled... deliberately obfuscating. You are deliberately <laughs> obfuscating because you are. Because I didn't, you don't have that. You have the whole point where the, all they do is... You don't listen to the audio, you listen to the communication between the referee and the VAR. Which is what I just said. Which is what what I just said. No, because the piece you played about Tottenham and Liverpool, no one wants to hear No, I don't
4: agree with that. I don't agree with that characterisation. You're not listening. I don't agree with that characterisation at all. I don't think that's, you know, the necessity for for the dialogue that's going on here. What you're suggesting, there is a fundamental entitlement for football fans, to be involved in the decision-making process, and no, I, I don't agree with you process, because I think in life you have to accept certain things. The authority, no, you have to accept it. You want to be part of a decision-making process, yeah? No, it's not that. Well, what do you want to know? What do you want to know then? What it's difference changing. does it
1: make? Stop trying to put words. It's not, um... Jim, you <laughs>
4: well you just told me I'm deliberately doing something so you're putting words in my mouth Addy, I'm, I'm just horrified
3: at the way your morning has turned Addy the Liverpool fan who's saying no iFab have got it wrong and that fans have every entitlement to hear how they got to certain decisions and that the conversation should be made public but iFab sorry Addy are saying no by god you were getting twisted and roasted there were you not Addy was more than a match for you you're very clever yeah that was alright Addy well done for Simpleton Download, stand well back,
0: listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
3: Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five star review, whatever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow.